Hey guys, welcome to the show, and this week we are covering the interesting topic of buying a new car. Do you buy a new one secondhand, finance or cash, personally or in a company, plus plenty more. Make sure you check it out, understand the pitfalls before you start. We'll see you in the show. Hey there guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show with me, your host Andrew Baxter, and as always, my companion and offsider, Mr. Mitchell Laurentiu. Thanks for having me, Mr. B, looking awfully flashy this afternoon, and to get even flashier, let's talk about buying your very first car. It's an interesting one, and it's one that oh, I've been considering myself. Hmm. It is an interesting one, isn't it? That easy trap to fall into, and uh, certainly are some pitfalls there from a money and investing point of view, particularly, sure. you know, A, how we see a car. Is it an asset or is it a toy? And then all the traps about, you know, not just the purchase, but the running costs and everything else that go alongside. So plenty of fodder in here. Let's make this one a bit light and have a bit of fun with it. Absolutely, it's a fun topic. And there's nothing wrong with upgrading what you've currently got. As we all know, if your parents have got you a car, you've made enough money, you're in a position where you can go and maybe get that new Mercedes or Porsche if you're in a great position and you're a soccer mum, mm. you like to drive those kind of cars. Let parking that to the side for a second. Let's Parking, that's actually quite funny. We're talking about levity, good no stuff. No pun intended. Yeah. Let's talk about, first and foremost, it's important to note before you go and buy your first car as to why you're doing it. Is it a need <laughs> or is it a want? Absolutely. Or is it somewhere in the middle? I think that's a really fundamental question, isn't it? You know, I, yeah, I'd like to have this. Do I need it? Do I want it? And I always remember my father drilling me on that. Do you need it or do you want it, son? And it, uh, it can really shape your decision making because needs and wants are not the same thing. Yeah, if you need a car to get around to do your thing, that's one thing. If you want a car to make it easier to get around, that's slightly different. And you know, Australia is an interesting country. You know, we're one of the most, we have, if not the most urbanised population in the world. People live in typically in cities. I think eighty-five percent of the population live in the city here. Uh, in some cities, public transport is great. In others, it's not. Um, but you know, for a lot of people, the prospect of using public transport is uh, a bit of a crushing blow to their ego. I'd much rather get around. And yeah, that's a personal thing. You know, I, I spent my early part of my working career in London, which, you know, almost irrespective of income, everybody uses public transport there. You know, sure. working with guys that are pulling down $20, $30 million a year, get on the tube like everybody else because it's the easiest way to get around. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So let, let's take the example and then let's contrast this mm -hmm. for, for two examples. So number one is obviously, let's say your parents haven't got you a car, just graduated high school, whatever it may the be. parents do this. Parents, people buy, parents buy their kids' cars. They for all of their one. kids or just the first one? Or? My sister and I both got one. Holy smokes. Brand new. Better get back on that trading screen. I've got yeah. four kids. Thanks, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's the, obviously there's the one scenario where you haven't yet got a car and you need to mm. get one to go mm. to a job, which mm. makes sense. But what about if you've already got one, mm. it's working fine, maybe it's not the ideal car that you want and you can afford an upgrade. And people, yeah. This saying? is an interesting one, isn't it? Because this is the decision-making that's been driven by ego uh, and, and so on. And I always remember my dad, you know, one particular chapter in my life, I actually uh, bought, you know, I've had a few sports cars in my time. I bought an Aston Martin. Did I hear the rumor that every six months you used to change your car? Is yeah, that correct? Yeah, that is true. What a terrible That's habit. the office rumor. <laughs> <laughs> every six months, I did that for about five or six years. Every six months, I've just swapped into a new car. Yeah. 12 cars, 12 mm. different people. Yeah, a lot of different experiences and, and different reasons uh, for doing it, but very tax effective at the time too. So, I mean, put, putting that to the side, and I'm sure we'll get on to tax. Um, you know, I remember my dad saying to me, uh, you know, I just picked up this car and he said, look, great car, love it. It's been a dream, goal, whatever it might be, which it was. Um, but who did you buy this for? Did you buy it for yourself or did you buy it for how other people look at you? 
That's an interesting one. And me as a bachelor, AB, thinks that maybe buying another car and maybe a nice Mercedes kind of has some other benefits beyond the scope of money and investing. <laughs> you have to consider those things too, right? Because it's not oh, just a financial uh, thing, it's a lifestyle thing. Yeah, look, I think truth be known, that was part of my motivation to that particular vehicle as well. Any prop we can get as men, the better, I think. Um, so, you know, that decision based on ego. Uh, and also, when you're making a commitment to buy a car, um, you know, do you buy new? Do you buy second hand? Do you buy cash? Do you, do, you, do you buy it on finance? Do you even need it? And, and I'd always, because it's, it depends on your structure. If you've got the ability to wash out some tax benefits through it, and, 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 and right now there are plenty of those, you know, there's the instant asset write off and different things for people that own companies. Um, you know, commercially it could make sense. But if you're buying something and it's a toy, it's a personal expense and you're not going to get any tax benefit to it. I would categorize that as a toy. Um, I'd be very, very careful about making that decision because you've got the capacity to tie up you know, a chunk of dough in something that is not an asset. Let's be very, very clear on this. And it may even prohibit you from actually investing in assets like property or yeah. various other things. That's right. If you've used some cash to buy that, um, it's going to reduce your deposit amount, but also if you've done it on finance, it's going to reduce your borrowing uh, ability as well. So there is a, a bit of a poison chalice at the back end of it, which sure. then goes back to what are your plans over the sort of the short, medium and long term? Are you going to be in a position where you need to borrow? And if you do, be very minded that finance may be cheap and car finance right now is sort of two and a half to about 4% roughly, which cheap. is incredibly cheap and very, very tempting to take advantage of it. But you don't get the rainbow without the storm. The, the storm in that instance is all of a sudden you've got another debt that you're going to have to service, which will reduce your borrowing ability. Sure. And the banks are so prickly about serviceability right now, they'll look at that really long and hard. I think it's a massive consideration, mm. especially if you're young and you want to get ahead in life. Going out and spending 60 or 70 grand on a car and you probably can't afford mm. may not be the best decision for you. No. Before we jump into that, what are some other considerations? We could talk about insurance, running costs, parking, mm. depending on where you live in. What, 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 what's your expertise on That's that? That's right. You know, if you live in a city where you, and you're planning on driving it to work, where are you going to park it? Because, you know, and we're here on the Gold Coast, which is, you know, reasonably laid back by city standards for parking. Indeed it is. Get up to Brisbane or go down to Sydney and you realise it's a whole different ball game. You know, it's costing you, you know, I remember where offices were in Sydney, it was about anywhere between early bird 95 and not uh, around about 140 bucks a day to park at the building. Wow, that's yeah, which a is lot. which is a big consideration. Um, you know, you could park on the street, but then you know, time you feed the meter, go down and do it all the time, miss it a couple of times, get a fine, it becomes expensive. So you know, those sorts of things you can park it at home on the street. That then affects your insurance. And yeah, insurance is a big one. I was uh, with family friends at the weekend. The, the, their son is a lovely young fellow. He's doing an apprenticeship in um, uh, as a mechanic. He bought a, an old Hilux, 15 grand, he paid for it, and, he's, and he literally has just broken it apart and is rebuilding it from the ground up, you know, redone and rewelded all the chassis, very proudly showing me around it on, on Sunday, we're over there for dinner, and jacking it up and all this stuff. Seven grand for shock absorbers, four grand for a turbo. He's gone big on this, right? And it's like, well, number one, are you gonna get your money back? But more importantly, have you considered what it's gonna cost you to insure it? And what, th what did it cost him? He said his price about four and a half grand a year. Okay, so almost as much as probably the lease uh, is costing him. Well, he, he's paid cash for the, 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 the vehicle, but um, you know, if you think about four and a half grand a year, you know, in terms of his income and where he's at, in terms of what he pulls down, he's going to have to earn about $120, $130 per week just to cover the insurance on his car. Now, he's only an apprentice, so you know, his income is reasonably limited, but these aren't the things that you think through on the front end. You just want the salivation of, I want that vehicle. 
and, and don't worry about it, I'll work out a way of doing it. Now he's pretty entrepreneurial and I'm sure he will, he's a, he's a, he's a good kid. But four and a half grand a year insurance is crackers. Now, talk that's about a, a car that's going to cost me four and a half grand a year to insure in a minute. But yeah, it's uh, but they're the they're the sort of uh, considerations that oftentimes you don't see. So moving into there, then let's get into the: Do you pay cash? Yes. Or do you do or do you do it on finance? Great so, question. Um, if you're in a structure, uh, particularly a company structure where there can be tax benefit. Um, run it on finance every time because it is a tax deduction for you. And as I say, if you've got a company in the current COVID world, that asset write-off last year, I think it was $57,000 was the instant asset write-off. And I believe you qualify for that again this year or you may qualify for it. So you've got the ability straight away to get you know an upfront depreciation fee back in. Talk to your accountant about that if what I'm talking about is sort of um, just is coming out as noise. Um, but yeah, you know, that's the benefit of operating in a company structure. And yeah, you know, we talked some time ago yeah you know, about one of my great friends and mentors, Robert Kiyosaki, and that whole notion uh, of moving from being uh, an employee to self-employed to a business owner and getting onto that side of the ledger. And a lot of Robert's work. Um, is written for the US market, obviously sure. it's American, um, but is written for the US market and that whole notion of deductions. But the principle remains the same here too. So if you're in a position where you are working as a company or an independent contractor as a company, well, that car suddenly becomes quite a useful tax deduction for you. You've got to buy it personally. You're buying it out of your after-tax dollars. Now, you think about the amount of tax we pay here in Australia, you're paying 30 40% more for that vehicle than if you were buying it through a company. Not so smart. So basically, you get the tax deduction, but you also get the luxury of turning up to your problems in a nice car. Absolutely. Right. So for those maybe who are, say, playing at the very, very high end you know, end of, of buying cars, mm. I know you mentioned to me you're at the Ferrari garage last week, mm. which I'll stop salivating over in a minute. <laughs> How does that fit into, you know, if you're a really high income earner, it's probably not super relevant because it's not your first car most likely, mm. but how does that differ from someone buying their first car? Look, the processes are the same and it's like anything, it's like a trade. If you start trading for the first time, you might have a $5,000 position. If you've got someone that's been doing it for a while, it might be 50 grand. If you've got someone that's been doing it for a really long time, it might be 500 grand. But the, the decision is the same. The number is almost irrelevant because it's, it, it's, it's relative to where your finances stack up at that given point of time. Um, you know, buying a new car, even though I've been through that phase of stupidly doing it every six months, it's actually not buying. It was a very, very smart tax arrangement uh, that I had. But putting that to the side, um, buying a new car is, uh, if it's a toy, is one of the dumbest things you will ever do. Okay, If it's a new car and you're buying it through your business, that's not as dumb because obviously you've got the depreciation that you can claim within your company. So if it's outside of company, do not buy a new car. Buy a second hand, buy a demonstrator, let somebody else wear that depreciation for you because you are buying a toy. Let them pay for the pain. And they may well have had it for a year, run the depreciation or the write-off through their structure, and you can piggyback on that. They're not going to be as fussy about price. They're just happy to get rid of the thing. You get it. You get a decent deal. You know, hopefully, it's been looked after, etc. But you know, the reality is that's the way to do it outside. If it's in a company structure, it becomes a more ambit point because it's obviously deductibility and so on there. And, and, and look, at the end of the day, again, it comes back to ego. Having something that's got maybe, I'll tell you a story in a second, having something that's got maybe six or 7,000 kilometers on the clock, your ego is it's not a brand new car. The reality is it's a new car. It's that psychological barrier that you have to get past. Yeah. How do you take that out? It's pretty hard. It's, it's like the business of trading is a very unemotional business. And so if you can remove ego out of the decision, it becomes an awful lot easier to make the right kind of decision. As soon as ego kicks in, 
it seldom ends well. Same in trades, oh, hold in, I'm going to be right, the market's wrong, ends in tears, we all know that. And, and the same can be true if you let ego push through on other kinds of financial decisions. You know, we, we, we talk innumerable number of podcasts ago about, you know, if you're buying a property and you can borrow up to, let's say, 800,000, does that mean you buy an 800,000 and you put 800 grand in the property? No, I'd suggest that you, if you've got the capacity to borrow 800, only borrow 600 and give yourself that breathing, uh, room. breathing room rather than stretching yourself and letting the ego take you into that. That's just smart business decision making. But unfortunately, that is very, very hard to do, you know, in, in, in the cool light of day when you're there. Now, let me tell you a story about depreciation. Though. All right, I'm excited, I'm excited. <laughs> so, so I was, as you pointed out, I was at the Ferrari garage a couple of weeks ago and I'm, I'm in discussions around a particular vehicle there. And this particular, it's a nice car, the 812 Supersport, beautiful car. What do they go for, brand new? Um, yeah, punchy, sort of started around about 860, thereabouts. Yeah, good place to start. Um, yeah, oh, gee, it's great. V12, 6.2, super, anyway. In red? Red. Red. Um, and great, great vehicle. Four seats and a reasonable boot too. I'm trying to sell myself this car here. Yeah. <laughs> My son was in it, revving it. He loved it. So, I mean, he's starting to push me in the deal at the moment. So, 860 new. And I'm talking with the guy and, uh, and, and the conversation came around to a value proposition. And he said, well, does it have to be new? And I said, no, it doesn't have to be new. He said, well, I've got a, I've got a, a used one, um, which had... I think 7,000 kilometers on the clock, six and a half, 7,000 kilometers on the clock. Not many, really. Not many, no. And the and I said, well, okay, where does that come in at? And it worked out that the depreciation, it was six months old. It was six months old, 7,000 kilometers on the clock, and the depreciation on it was $180,000. Mm, that's a lot. That's a lot. But so it's worked out about three grand a kilometer. That's an expensive <laughs> drive, plus your fuel to mm. fuel up a V12. But if you pro-rata that across any kind of car, whether it's a Volkswagen Golf, whether it's, yeah, it doesn't matter what the vehicle is, it's the same situation. And I think if you're buying a toy, make sure you get the best possible deal you can. If you're running through a business, I still like a deal. Um, but nonetheless, you know, you can, you, can, you can sort of claim a little bit more in there. So that's the big, big defining factor. Don't let your ego get in the way. Don't buy something new. Don't buy something that you're buying because of what other people might think. Buy something that's right for you. And that's sure. one of the hardest things um, on, I think younger Australians, uh, particularly people in your generation where, and I know you're not a big social media user, um, but there's so much pressure to be seen on Insta and some of those other things to be looking successful. You know, and you see people draped over a car. It's not their car, it's obviously not their car, but they had a photo with it, therefore they feel good uh, because it looks like it might be their car and people look up to them or however sure. the whole thing works. Um, you know, there's an enormous pressure on people in society now to have a certain look and feel. but. I got given this advice by someone a number of years ago, and it's terrific advice. And he said, you can only start to live when you give away the opinion, the good opinion of other people, because their opinion doesn't matter. It's what's right for you at the time. So don't give a, a hoot about what anyone else has got to say. Do what's right for you. Now, I know what you've got your eye on, and you've worked very hard, and you deserve it. But it's not at the expense of some of the other goals that you've set yourself. You're no. in a position where you're buying other assets. And you're also in a position where you're going to be able to loop that through a corporate structure, which makes it effective. Sure. But if we're having this conversation in a different format, and you know I ride you pretty hard on different you things, and, 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 and say, look, you might want to think about that. If we're doing it under different conditions for a different reason, you know the answer would be you probably shouldn't be doing that, given the conversation we've had about what you're going to do. I think it makes a little bit of sense. Well, there you go. And I think, you know, just taking your advice there and listening to everything you've said, the main thing is taking your ego out of mm. buying this first car because it's so easy to get trapped. It's a bit hard to talk about ego in a red Ferrari. In oh, the I same know. Conversation. You've worked hard. You've worked mm. even harder than I have, mm. so you deserve that too. I think I was just having a hard enough job getting my son out of it. To be <laughs> <honest>. <laughs>
Look, I guess the last part of, of this broadcast, AB, is you know we always like to talk about that call to action and, and mm. what sort of our, our members could be doing. Yep. Now, rather than going spending 40 or 50 grand on your first car, mm. what would maybe be some better opportunities that you could spend that money where in a couple of years' time, if you play your cards right, you aren't gonna spend 70 mm. or 80,000. But that is such a pivotal point, isn't it? And, and, and you know, people always talk about the rich getting richer and it's for a reason and it's not because the game is skewed a particular way, it's because invariably the rich are schooled in managing money and wealth and how you do it. And that is that you shouldn't buy anything out of your asset base, you buy it out of the proceeds of your investing. So let's say you've got 40 or 50 grand of capital working around. Maybe you were looking to get into property and maybe COVID had scared you away from that and you, you, you sat there in cash just at the minute, really earning nothing on it. Don't take that asset, that cash, and use it to buy an asset. Invest that cash and the profit or proceeds from doing that is what you use to buy toys. You never, ever, ever buy toys out of your capital and principal. Again, sure. that's another Robert Kiyosaki type rule. And to be fair, it's a ubiquitous rule across anyone that's been successful around money. There's nothing wrong with having some color and some fun in your life, sure. but don't use your capital to do it. Make your capital work and then use the proceeds for it. And the reason you wanna do that is because if you've got the ability to do that, you won't just buy a car. You could buy a house, a watch, a holiday, a boat, or whatever it might be, because you've built the, um, the mechanism by which you can own that. Sure. If you use your capital, you're living off your savings and you can't save enough to do that. It's as simple, you've just got to get it working. Very, very, very important lesson. Look, I think that's a really, really great piece mm. of advice. And it's a lot of, it's something that young people really don't often consider mm. is if you just do the hard yards early and get invested, mm. who knows where your future could lie? Because if you're smart about it, you'll make money doing so. And you think, well, 40, 50 grand, what sort of car am I gonna be able to buy with the profits of that? I got a client that's got a, an account of about that size, pulled five grand for the week in terms of his profit from his trading. So he's got, if he were buying a car, he's smarter than to do that. He's got it sitting in his five grand over here to add to next month, next month, next month, he's still gonna have his nest egg working away. And that's how the rich get richer, they get their capital working. So what I'd almost do is flip this conversation on its head. And we talk about needs versus wants and desires. You go want that car, look at the most expensive thing that you really think you can do, build, like an absolute, I must have that, but don't buy it. Use that leverage on yourself then to say, right, I really want that and I'm prepared to do what I need to do in order to get it. This is called motivation, this is about goal setting. Goal setting is nothing about the goal, it's not about the car. What it is, is about becoming the person that's able to generate enough income to be able to buy that car. Sure. Not out of their savings, but they've got off their backside and taken some time away maybe from um, surfing the internet or sitting on the couch watching Netflix or um, you know, on social media and instead of taking a couple of hours a day or a week and plowed it into learning some new skills that can do it. Now that's painful for some people but when you're driving around in that car you go hey I got this because I got off the couch and did some work you've kind of earned the toy as opposed to depleting your capital and setting yourself further away from your goals because in life you're either getting closer to your goals and if you're not getting close to your goals, then you're getting further away from them. It's a great piece of advice. And we spoke about this example literally in podcast number one that Is we that did right? at the start of this year. Yeah, yeah. We spoke about sitting in the car, getting the feel for mm. it, and then working towards a goal. Great advice, AB. Look, thanks very much. We're at the end of the broadcast now. Before we wrap up, are there any final words? Get in the market. Get that capital working hard. Make money. <laughs> get yourself structured in the right way and enjoy the ride. It's great fun and, uh, and you'll deserve every bit of it if you've done the work to get there. Great. Taking mental notes. Thanks very much, AB. Appreciate it. My pleasure as always. Well, there you have it, guys. Get the car of your dreams or not, as the case may be. Give us a review and a rating and we will look forward to seeing you on the show next week.